0: And hello, everyone. I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, sports editor for the newspaper, bringing you a very long-awaited edition of the Red Raider podcast. been a while since we've done one of these, Uh, of course. uh, We all remember how things happened last year in the Big 12 tournament, and uh, now with the Big 12 tournament coming back, I thought it'd be a very notable piece to kind of just talk with some people before the Big 12 tournament starts. So that's why we've got Clark Lambert, who's a play-by-play analyst for Double T97.3, of course, on the Texas Tech broadcast and also with the Red Raider Club. Clark, how you doing, man?
1: Doing good, Carlos. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, well, uh, like I said, we're going to talk a little bit off the top about how the Big 12 tournament was last year. Then we'll talk a little bit about how you've seen Texas Tech improve over the season. And then, of course, uh, this little, uh, I guess if you want to call – If you want to talk about the Baylor game, we can. There's not much to kind of talk about, as everyone kind of mentioned on Twitter, but we can talk about that last couple four games where they went on that roll before uh, Baylor and then, of course, going into the Big 12 tournament. So on that note, Clark, uh, I know last year you and I talked a little bit before the Big 12 tournament started. We kind of knew there was something going on because of the NBA and kind of things happening. But for you, just that. That morning of March 13th, if I'm not mistaken, March 13th, March 12th, just if you could just kind of speak to what you were able to do that day and then just how surreal it was in terms of just finding out that there was going to be no basketball after that for Texas Tech.
1: Sure. Yeah, Carlos. I think um, Texas Tech went to to Kansas City in the Big 12 tournament with some optimism, had an opportunity to win a few games, started off with Texas um, there in the quarterfinals and then an opportunity to advance and potentially – Um, solidify their presence as an NCAA tournament team and also potentially improve upon seating. Uh, It was interesting when we got to Kansas City, um, it was almost a certainty that we were going to play the Big 12 tournament. Uh, Then as the hours went by, it was, well, there's not going to be fans allowed uh, outside of uh, player guests and coach guests. And then really up until probably inside an hour um, from tip, we had the early game on that Thursday uh, they called it off. I was actually walking with some colleagues up to um, to the arena there, and, and we got the call that said that you know teams were being yanked off the court. Um, they were going to cancel the Big 12 tournament. And at that point, um, other conference tournaments were being canceled around mm-hmm. the country. But the NCAA tournament, we thought, was still going to be um, played as scheduled. And then it wasn't until later that afternoon. I think it was Duke maybe, and then Kansas that followed as the two teams that said, hey, we're out on all postseason, and those are the two dominoes that really um, started the ripple effect in, in canceling all postseason uh, play.
0: From your perspective, how difficult was it to kind of learn that the season would be ending? Because uh, I know Coach Beard, I've talked to him a couple times about it, but just to be so abrupt and just literally like you had said, like I was there 30, 45 minutes before the game, saw the guys warming up, and then all of a sudden they were just kind of sequestered into the locker room, and then 30 minutes later, Uh, I learned they were leaving. Then about 30 minutes after that, Bob Bowlesby had that big press conference where he said everything was basically going to be canceled at that point. So I guess just from your perspective as a fan, and I don't know if you spoke to any of the players or the coaches, but just how disappointed or just how kind of uh, unique of a situation that was to where, like you said, everyone was geared up to play, geared up to maybe have a a deep tournament run. And then all of a sudden you are just told no.
1: Yeah, the postseason, Carlos, is really a culmination of all your hard work and efforts to get to that point. Um, And I think when you enter the month of March, especially with a crispier coach team, you have some optimism on your ability to uh, play in what you would consider a one-game season as you enter the NCAA tournament. So I think it's a lot of disappointment, a lot of frustration um, for the team, the staff. Um, You're really the players. And and also, you're not exactly sure what's going on, that we didn't understand – uh, the severity of, of COVID-19 at that point in time, it was all um, kind of a mystery. There was a lot of unknowns. And so to be, you know, stripped of the ability to, to play a sport you've dedicated uh, your entire lives to, especially for some of those seniors, TJ Hallfield Chris Clark, those guys have looked forward to playing on the biggest stage, playing in March Madness. And so I know the emotions that were going on in that locker room um, as we boarded the flight back to uh, Lubbock later that afternoon, I know that it was mixed emotions and, we weren't exactly sure what it meant, um, you know, and it was unfortunate. But fast forward to now, where there's an opportunity to compete in Kansas City, um, like you mentioned before, playing against Texas for the third time this year, and then you're a lock in the NCAA tournament, and now you're playing for um, some seating, trying to jockeying and, and get a better, uh, a better draw in Indiana, in Indianapolis.
0: Once again, I'm Carlos Silva with the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, speaking with Clark Lambert of the Red Raider Club, and. Play by play guy for double T 97.3 in your Texas Tech broadcast so far this season. As you kind of, uh, as you're pretty good at doing, you, you really kind of segued us into this season. Last year, of course, was a good year. You mentioned TJ Holyfield, Chris Clark, Davide Moretti, another player that uh, decided to go pro. He's not there uh, going into this year, but they had a very good season, 18 and 13. in conference. Like you said, they still had a chance to maybe do some things in the postseason. We'll never know. That'll be the season that will be never known. I I know Chris Beard had mentioned the possibility of maybe even getting something to commemorate the fact that that could be an NCAA tournament team. We'll see how that goes, but I know he's very, very high on that team and very sad that he's not able to obviously coach them a couple more games, but for now, we'll focus on the team that, that is now, and that's, of course, with uh, Terrence Shannon, Kyler Edwards, Mac McClung, and everyone else so far. They're 17-9, and 9-8 nine, nine and eight after the conference season. Of course, everyone knows about the Baylor loss, 88-73, but now with uh, the, the changes that have happened, of course, last year, as you mentioned, weren't really sure about tournament seeding it was almost considered a play-in game with Texas. Now as you go into play this 8.30 p.m. Thursday game, March 11th, in Kansas City against Texas, both teams seem to be at least a lock for the NCAA tournament. It's like you said, it's more seeding and just kind of building your resume a little bit. So now with this third time, both teams being played, first time Texas Tech has swept the season series in, 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 in a very long time. But uh, just for you, being a player, is it something the media makes up as a as, as a way or an angle that beating a team three times is difficult, or is it beating a team the first time is pretty difficult?
1: Yeah, I think, and Coach Beard alludes to this in, in every you know pregame press conference, postgame press conference um, that it's very hard to win this league, regardless. Um, let alone trying to win three uh, games in a season against against an opponent the caliber of Texas. Uh, I think it makes it very difficult. I think the other narrative here, Carlos, is. Also, you know what do you want to, to do this week? I mean, do you want to win games? Obviously, you want to compete for a Big Twelve tournament title. Um, but also, you know, if you come up short or if you run out of time, like Coach Beard says on Thursday night, well, you know, at a minimum, you're going to get eight days of rest before you play in the NCAA tournament. So, um, a lot of times, what I've seen over the years is, you know, you beat each other up in the Big Twelve conference during the conference season, and then you beat each other up again in Kansas City, and then some teams. Limp into the NCAA tournament with rosters that are not um, at full health. You've got players that are banged up, um, and so it'll really be interesting. You look at our our two seasons in 2018, where we made a run. Um, that team was not entirely healthy. We also uh, won a game and then lost to West Virginia on that Friday night um, in Kansas City. Um, but you go to the 2019 season, you lost in the first um, game you played against West Virginia, and you know people were devastated. But that kind of was a blessing um, for us to be humbled a little bit, knocked down, and then gave us some additional rest um, going into Tulsa. So the narrative this this go-round is, man, you want to compete. You'd you love to uh, crown Big 12 tournament champions um, and improve on your seating, uh, but also you want to make sure that your roster is intact moving into March Madness next week.
0: With that in mind, and Coach Beard has said this, I'm sure he said this to you during pregame broadcast, but everyone's beat up at this time of the year in terms of Terrence Shannon and some of the other guys, what have you seen from this team that's allowed you to feel like, okay, this team has turned a corner because certainly early on, it seemed like things were a little bit awry. I know people were harping on that loss to Houston, but I think people forget that this, and I hate to use the term because it's been used so much, but unprecedented uh, regular season off season, just in terms of trying to get guys chemistry and just anything else like that. But it seemed like once the games were able to be played, which fortunately Texas tech minus a couple of weather Uh, inclement weather, pardon me, and some COVID uh, postponements. It seems like they were able to play most of their games, get into a rhythm, and it seemed like down the stretch they were a really, really cohesive team. Yeah,
1: yeah, Carlos. In the last uh, six games, you've had five of those games under 12 turnovers. Coach Beard always wants to make sure that you try to aim for the goal of uh, 10 turnovers or less. Um, When you play TCU uh, at home in in the 20-point victory there, you had 22 assists on – 29 made baskets, that's that's what you want to see. And I think this team is really stepping into their own identity um, on the offensive end. Defensively, um, they've been terrific throughout the year. I think they've also been able to kind of corral um, the rebounding battle. Anytime we've won the rebounding battle, we've come up um, – we've come out on top for the majority of these contests. And so I think you're seeing a team um, that is more balanced. Uh, Kyler Edwards is, is really um, hitting his stride anytime he can connect um, from the three-point line, also from the field, like he has been. And also Marcus Santos Silva um, has, has been a presence down low. Marcus really should be a guy who, who averages you know, 10 points, 8 rebounds. And Kevin McCuller, I always see him as the X factor for this team. Um, if he can get into the 12 to 14-point um, range and also maybe 10, 10 or 10, 8 to 10 rebounds, uh, you're going to be successful. So balanced scoring is what Coach Beard always preaches. You can have five guys in double figures. Uh, you're going to fare well in the postseason.
0: You mentioned it a little bit, but Marcus Santos Silva, just with his ability to, like you said, get the offensive rebound, that seems to be what he is known for and what he's been able to do, whether it's just tapping it out, grabbing a rebound, getting you that extra possession. I think the other thing that people are really kind of missing is the fact that in the last five games, he's only totaled four total fouls. And I think that's something to be said because the previous two games against Kansas and Oklahoma State, he had four fouls apiece. And then previous to that, against West Virginia, fouled out at five. And I think that was one thing Coach Beard, and I kind of asked him about it in the nicest way possible. But, I mean, he essentially said, we need Marcus to be out there to help us, and you can't help us on the bench. And I I don't know if it's just a, a little bit of a game plan tweak that maybe you've seen a little bit, but I think uh, Marcus is starting to make smarter plays. I think he's not uh, forcing the issue on defense. I think he's allowing his help defense to help him now. And certainly I think that's been good for him and this other and his other teammates as well. Uh, I guess, just from your perspective, how have you seen him improve his game after he has been a little bit more mindful of his fouls and been able to get into more of a rhythm on offense because he's not really on the bench for five to four minutes at a time, you know?
1: Yeah. Staying out of foul trouble for Marcus has been, has been huge. Um, I think one thing that people always think about is why, why does this guy not get, you know, eight to 10 rebounds? Well, when you're playing against a Texas, you know, Marcus's responsibility is to to keep Jericho Sims from getting an offensive rebound, and get Kai Jones out of the lane, box out Greg Brown, and allow some of your other guards. Um, but the size of the guards on this Texas Tech roster, Mike Apeauty, Terrence Shannon, Kevin McCullough, those guys can fly in and grab the rebounds. So a lot of times Marcus just needs to make sure he, he boxes his guy out um, and make sure that they don't have second chance opportunities. Um, and really, you know, coach always talks about that. Uh, the, identi- the identity of his teams are seniors. Uh, and so you want Marcus to really step into a leadership role as we enter the postseason um, because theoretically this could be his last go-around. Um, and, and he could fear talks about there's not a guy that's more um, unselfish than Marcus. Um, and it's been good to see him him play better as we near postseason.
0: With that in mind, what did you see from Texas Tech, this second go-around, at least from my perspective, that first go-around you saw Texas Tech slowed down the guards a little bit in the second go around that first time. It seemed like Courtney Ramey, Matt Coleman, and Andrew Jones were able to kind of get what they wanted, were able to score, and then it was literally a one-possession game where the last team that did have the ball was able to win, and that was because of Matt McClung getting the ball and draining that jumper uh, for the win. But in that second one, it seemed like they were able to get uh, Texas to really not pass the ball inside, which is shocking because, as you said, they've got so many good bigs.
1: And I, I look at Texas very similar to how I look at Baylor's team, Carlos. You know, they have a couple guards who can really penetrate and create offense. Look at Matt Coleman. I think he's one of the better guards at penetrating and pitching. Um, he can get into the lane, which is what Texas Tech does not want to allow. And then you surround yourself with shooters like Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey. Uh, Macy OT put on a performance yesterday that um, really shows you that if you allow middle penetration, uh, they're going to find the open, the open player. Um and one thing that I also highlighted on the last time we played Texas here at home a couple Saturdays ago, yes, they do have the talented bigs, but but their backcourt is very talented as well. They're also very experienced. Uh, and so these are guys that have played in Kansas City, that have won games in Kansas City. And so um you want to run them off the, the three-point line, uh, but at the same time, if they get two feet in the lane, they're gonna throw it up to the rim and someone's gonna hammer it home. So you really have to execute a near flawless performance on defense. Um, and, again, the rebounding battle is paramount.
0: Once again, that's Clark Lammerch. You can hear him sometimes when uh, Chris Level or Jeff Haxton need a, 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 as you like to call it, the uh, six-man for the old double-T uh, broadcast – uh for texas tech athletics so you'll definitely be in kansas city as i'm sure some people that are fortunate to be able to will as well as texas tech takes on texas at 8 30 p.m thursday clark i appreciate the time man safe travels to you and uh obviously uh, w- w- we'll see what happens when texas uh takes on texas tech this time for the third time in in uh, the season awesome thanks carlos guns up awesome once again this has been the red raider podcast i'm carlos silva With the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, don't forget to check us out on lubbockonline.com and, of course, read everything that we have in the newspaper each and every day. Appreciate uh, Clark Lambert for him. I'm Carlos Silva. We'll talk to you soon.